0: We'll be starting in Psalm 127 this morning, where we were for scripture reading, and as has been the case for many of our sermons as we go through this series, Grace in Our Hearts and Grace in Our Homes, there's not just one passage that we're camping out in, say for... Marriage and the husband's roles and responsibilities. Everything else, we have to kind of dance. So we get our Bible drills, some sword drill practice uh, when we come to topics like this. You know, I think the Lord has a sense of humor at times because, you know, today we're finally ready to move on. We've set that foundation. Uh, we, We slowed down. Which is my specialty. We slowed down uh, on the marriage roles because that's the foundation of the home. From that stability, we then offer the strength of the Lord to our children in our home. But moving on from that, God has a sense of humor because uh, it, it the calendar aligned perfectly for me to talk about parenting on the day that we just sprang forward with our clocks, right? And so all of our kids got less than usual sleep, and I, uh, I surmise that we may have had some extra challenges <laughs> along the way or extra tired kids to get us through the service. So uh, know that we're not heaping judgment and guilt and condemnation, not that we do that often ever <laughs> uh, or, uh, here, but uh, it's just kind of comical with all of that. When it comes to parenting, uh, there's lots of stories that we can tell. But there was there was this young 12-year-old girl, and she goes to her mom, and she asks her, she says, Mom, do you have a baby picture of yourself? I need to use this for a school project. So the mom starts digging through, and she finds, uh, she finds one here's the error. Mom didn't even ask what the project was. She said, you need a baby picture of me? Fine, I'll give it to you. And so a few days later, uh, the mom was in in the classroom of the school because it was parent-teacher conferences. And so she's sitting there speaking to the teacher, and up on the wall of the classroom, she notices her face plastered up there uh, on this big mural of a bunch of different things that the kids had put on the board and on the board was the title that said the oldest thing in my house that feels like parenting doesn't it Or perhaps this other story might resonate with you about a photographer who was on site at the school and taking photos, much like we're getting ready to do here uh, for our directory. And he was working with a bunch of first graders. And he's just making small talk with them, trying to get them to help uh, feel very comfortable. And there's there's a, a little girl sitting there. He's ready to take her picture. He goes, so what are you going to be when you grow up? And she sighs and she looks at him and she goes, Tired. I think sometimes our kids reflect a little bit the sentiment and the the tone and the tenor of of how we live uh, life a little bit. But you know, both of those stories are just kind of humorous pictures of what every parent or grandparent or anyone who's worked with kids can feel and recognize and understand about what it is to bear the burden of raising up a child and much less uh, just keeping them alive and surviving when that's what the world does, and it's a hard enough job for them. But God, in His grace, He calls His children to a higher standard, and He calls us to a beautiful uh, um, uh, calling for us to point our children which are really his children, to point them to him and grow them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. But just as the comedy, the comedy of those stories point out, those are very real sentiments. I could look out here and I could ask every mom or every dad or grandparent or anyone, you, if you don't have kids right now, just think back to when they were little, do you ever get tired Uh, along the race. It can be very tired, particularly when the kids are younger. You're not getting much sleep at all and it's exhausting and it's thing after thing after thing. Something that I've been encouraged with many, many times before uh, is that when it comes to uh, there, there's a book, it's Gospel family, uh, Gospel-Centered Family Counseling. This book has, uh, it's revolutionized my family. It's, it's one of those books that it's taken me almost two years to read and I'm still not done. And you know why it's taking me so long to read? Because it hits me hard. I read about a paragraph or two paragraphs and I have to close and say, all right, Lord, let me work on that one for a while. It's been uh, really wonderful. But one of the ideas that, that comes out is every family who is in crisis. So say you were, somebody comes to you and they're really struggling in their home and they're looking for help with the chaos that's existing in their family. And I bet you we could all point to an area or two or more fingers than we can even count of, oh man, we're, there's, there's stuff going on in our family and it's hard But no matter what you have going on, in every single situation, as parents, one of the greatest needs we have as parents is to be able to find some hope in every situation. Because parenting, do we ever really get a break from parenting? Once you become a parent, it's a parent, That it's always that way, right? It's never going to change. You never walk away from being a parent. It is always there with you. And so uh, when you get into the weeds, so to speak, of being a parent, the daily grind of food for everyone, cleaning up, making certain everyone has what they need, much less the tending to the hearts and the training of the minds for a productive life In Christ, these things are exhausting. But we can get lost in the way. In every situation, we need to be infused with hope to help pull our eyes out of the weeds that we're stuck in. Because when you're stuck, have you ever been stuck in the weeds before, where you literally cannot see past you? You're stuck. You're just doing the thing. I gotta make make my way through this. Gotta gotta get out of here. And you lose all context of what's going on. So what I want us to do and what my aim this morning truly is, is to be able to help lift our eyes out of the weeds and see God's big picture and to encourage us and infuse hope into the tired hearts of every mother and father in the room so that we would be energized to be about the work that God has for us in the most fundamental of relationships as mothers and fathers in our home. So we've already pointed out that this stuff is hard. It feels like an uphill climb sometimes as as a parent. We're never going to get through this. I mean, I think of challenges that we've had as parents of behaviors or issues that we've gone through. and We're never going to get past this. We just keep coming right back to it. And then before we know it, that's gone but it's been replaced by a new problem, a new set of challenges that we work at. And it's in that sense, it just feels like an uphill climb. Have you ever been mountain climbing before or, or at least hiking up the side of a mountain? Yeah, it's, it, it takes work, it takes effort. And so I had us turn to Psalm 127 to start first because there's a little nugget here for us that I've, I've found encouragement when it comes to being a parent this little section of the book of Psalms, if you look at this, this section here, at the top of each psalm, it's going to be referenced as a song of, what does your Bible say? Ascents, some ascension, some, there's lots of different things, all right? When we're looking at that, it's not actually talking about a song of ascent, like, oh, I ascent to that, yes. It has nothing to do with that and everything to do with climbing, It's a song of of walking and going up a mountain. You see, for the nation of Israel, we've talked about this at various points uh, throughout different studies that we've done. The nation of Israel uh, required by the law that they made pilgrimages to Jerusalem at several uh, different points throughout the year. Uh, think Passover, Pentecost, Tabernacle. There were different times that they, that they really were to be traveling along. And if you've ever been to the Holy Land, it's not flat, smooth terrain. It's up. You're climbing mountains. You're going up, and, and it's desert mountains. It's, it's even worse than the mountains I've climbed out in Colorado before. And so, uh, these songs of ascent that we find in this portion of Psalms, all right, these songs of ascent, think of these as climbing songs. And so, the book of Psalms is the hymn book for the nation of Israel. And so... These climbing songs were meant, they were actually repeated, and they did these songs in community as they're making their pilgrimages and as they're literally climbing up mountains. And this is one of the songs that they would sing. Verse 1, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. If God's not in it, if God is not the center of it, it's worthless. In the end, it doesn't matter. There's nugget number one for us parents that we need to keep the Lord at the center, at the forefront, at the heart of all we're doing and all the things that we do and all of the energy that we give our family and our homes The Lord's got to be the one fueling it, and he's got to be at the heart, leading and guiding in all of these things. And then we move on, and we're climbing. We're a little higher up the mountain at this point, and we get to verse 4, and we see God's purpose once again for our homes, for our children. Verse 4 says, like arrows in the hands of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them, like arrows in the hands of a warrior. What what is a hand in the arrow of a warrior, an arrow in the hand of a warrior? What's the purpose of that arrow? Let it go, and where's that arrow gonna go? It's gonna go. Chances are, in a battle, it's gonna go to someone. It's gonna strike a blow, and it's gonna take the enemy out. God has given us our children and he likens them to arrows, arrows in the hands of a skillful warrior. So we're finding out it's going to take skill, it's going to take energy, it's going to take effort to be able to take these gifts of God, to be able to launch them And where are we launching our children? Well, we're launching them first and foremost. We're launching them towards adulthood so that one day they will be dependent upon God himself. We're launching them for a lifetime of walking with God, living for him, living with him, and serving him. But that's not the only target. Because just like a warrior, a warrior, they're shooting an arrow For the offensive, they're going after the enemy. God has blessed us with children so that as we train them to walk in the strength and the power of God, and as we launch them into adulthood, they go out. And just like your parents launched you for the kingdom of God and his service, we launch our children for the service of God. And so that the impact of God working in their lives, they will also take the enemy out. And that's a beautiful picture here that he's bringing out of happy, the idea of blessedness. Blessed is the man who has his quiver full. That quiver is the thing that all of the arrows of the archer, where they would all hold. And so some of us have larger, more full quivers than others. Others, But in that, God has given each of us, my quiver is full at two because that's what God gave me. That's my heritage of the Lord. Perhaps it's one, perhaps it's none for you. God is working, God is uh, leading and guiding and providing in all of those things. But whatever that number that exists in your quiver, God wants to use those for the glory of of the gospel, for the glory and the testimony of Jesus Christ and his church. And he can and will do great damage against the enemy and bring great light for Jesus Christ through our homes. That is the ultimate target. We are called to launch our arrows, meaning launch our children out into this world for the fellowship and the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And these were the truths that as they were doing, I mean, think about this. Life is hard enough. I mean, think about, they couldn't just go to Walmart. They couldn't go to Aldi's and get their groceries. They're out there making their flour. All that extra work just to survive. And then multiple times a year, hey, gather up the troops. Let's go to Jerusalem. And now you're taking the kid. I mean, how many of us really love taking a road trip with a baby in the car. Ah, it's crying. Everyone's going. They're they're getting... All right, they're not on a road trip. They're on a hiking trip, and they're walking, and they're climbing this mountain. In that context, God gives us this truth. The arrows might be in the back seat yipping at you at the moment, but God says, they're your arrows. You're called to launch them. And so, how do we launch them? What do we need? I want us to look at three things this morning to remind us, to help see the big picture, to help encourage our hearts about what God has for us ultimately as parents. The first thing I would like us to see is that grace-filled parents prioritize the call of godly parenting. Grace-filled parents prioritize. They make it the number one thing that they're about. They set their sights on it, they lock in on it, they have it loaded, and they move towards that. Again, like arrows in the hands of a warrior, you have to know what you're shooting for, otherwise you're going to miss it every single time. Well, we must prioritize godly parenting. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6 As soon as you get there, you're going to immediately recognize it. But Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, gives us this encouragement. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Again, this is reminding us of what is the target that we're shooting for. We're shooting for the target of a child, walking in the dependence upon Jesus Christ, his God who who loved him and gave himself for them. This is what we're after. And it gives us the task that we must prioritize in our lives as moms and dads. He tells us to train up a child. And uh, I think this is this is really interesting language here because most often in the Old Testament, this is not translated as train up. Do you know what this is translated as and rendered most places? Dedicate. It's translated most frequently as dedicate, as in uh, when Solomon dedicated the temple. This is exactly it. it there's a there's an idea of consecrating, of setting it aside, all right? Remember, we're talking about how parents have to prioritize parenting, all right? Well, we have to prioritize it by, we set it apart, we, we give it time, we give it attention, we, uh, we promote it, we go for these things. Along with the idea of, of dedication, there's a real word picture that's present in it for us. And there's really a picture of narrowing something down, all right? So train up a child. When we narrow something down, one of the greatest illustrations of this, and this is familiar in in a lot of the parenting literature that many of our families have been encouraged and strengthened by, is it it shows us this picture of a funnel. What does a funnel do? It's meant to take a, a big area and channel all of that I don't know, liquid that I'm trying to pour out of a pan. It's going to funnel it down so that I can get it into this tiny little bottle. All right, that funnel is going to direct the fluid right where I want it to go. If I didn't use that funnel to narrow the flow down and I were just trying to take it straight from the pan into the bottle, do you know where most of that fluid would go? On the floor, on my shoes, and then we'd have a big mess to clean up all right so that funnel is used to narrow all right and by you know by extension narrow and discipline and dedicate and train the fluid where to go and so we narrow our time effort and attention on the training of our children and pointing them. And then we have this assured promise that even when they are old, the work that you, God is doing through you right now, God can and will use in years to come to keep either keep your child on the path that they should go or if they choose because of this pesky thing called free will, that if they choose to step away and not walk, with the Lord, that the work, the love, the prioritization of God's biblical principles in your life that you you prioritize in your home, God has a way, and God assures us that he can use those things for a lifetime in the heart of your child. So take courage, courage, in that, be encouraged, be strengthened, that the work you're doing has a lifetime, nay I say, an eternity of impact waiting ahead because of the work that you're doing in the hearts of your child. I want you to picture, we did this in Sunday school a, a, a couple of weeks ago, but think about all the things that are important in your life. For many people, what are are the things that you value? For many, it might be their house, money, a job, a promotion at work. It's been said many, many times, can we take a single one of those things to heaven with us? Nope, not for a second. But most of us would answer, well, those aren't the things that I value that I esteem the most. You know what I esteem the most is the people, my wife my children, my brothers and sisters in the Lord. Can we take those things to heaven? Well, we can't, we can't necessarily, but those things are people, and people are who heaven is for. We can invest in the priority of people and point them to the Lord Jesus Christ so that they can trust the Lord. And you know what? They can go to heaven, that's prioritizing making the most important things in our life. Uh, That's what we're focused on. So grace-filled parents prioritize the call of godly parenting. Number two, we're reminded that grace-filled parents point their children, number one, to the word of God. As we're prioritizing these relationships, prioritizing our home above all other things that can lead us astray or that can vie for our time and attention. That might be, uh, you know, working out in the community, that might be sports, that might be music. It could be anything. We have to choose to focus on our family and the hearts that God has entrusted uh, into our lives. And as we're doing that, God gives us helpful instruction as to what does it look like? How does that work out? How do I train and narrow my child and dedicate them towards the Lord? Well, we have to, again, narrowing them, we have to point them in the right direction. The right direction always, number one, is going to be to the word of God. Deuteronomy chapter 6 is where we turn next. Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is a passage that I don't believe is foreign to any of us, even through this series that we've been through. But this passage of Deuteronomy chapter 6. truly informs us. And this is, this is, again, going back to kind of those ideas of the climbing songs that the nation of Israel was using for their, their pilgrimages. This goes back to even before that and the impetus that God gave them that they were to be so about, prioritizing so much the training of their children and pointing them to him. And we see this at the very giving of the law. Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four, Moses says, hear, O Israel. And we've we've called out, we've pointed this out. When he says "Hear," it's not just, it's more than just listen. It is a hear and obey. Do this, all right? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul And with all your strength. I want to pause here for a moment because where he's about to go, he's going to start talking about parents blessing and pouring into their children. Before we can ever get to that next level of transmission where we give it to our children, do you know where these things have to be first? They have to be resident within us. He is saying, you have to love God with all your heart, your soul, and with all your strength. How many, people, how many people here have ever flown on an airplane before? All right? On an airplane, at the beginning when they're doing all the, the babbling and, you know, they're talking and giving you all the instructions, they say, in case of an emergency... Oxygen masks will come down from the ceiling, and then they say something very curious, that before you ever help anybody else, so if you're a parent, before you ever help your child, what is the instruction of the stewardess? Yeah, you've got to take that mask, and you've got to put it on yourself. Why? Right? If, if you're dead, you can't help other people. All right, you've got to take care of you and then you can help tend to the needs of the children around you. Moms and dads, we have to be diligent about our own heart before the Lord. And I love the idea of of an oxygen mask because without oxygen, do you know what happens to us? We die or severe damage happens, all right? Without oxygen, we need it for life. Paul referred in the book of Acts, he's referring to God and he says, in him we live and move and we have our being. In him we live and move and have our being. We've we've got to prioritize. We have to have our walk with the Lord. Because without it, I've got nothing left to give my children. And so as we're prioritizing godly parenting, we do prioritize our own walk with the Lord. As we point our children to the word of God, we have to first point our own hearts to the word of God and to, um, and our, and to God himself spirit-fueled, well, hold on, we'll we'll continue reading through this passage. So put the oxygen mask on yourself, and then don't just sit there and breathe in all that good oxygen and like, whew, this is wonderful, this is good stuff. No, fuel yourself so you can help the people around you. And that's exactly what he says. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart, yes, And you shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. There is no time of day, there is no circumstance that does not fall under the expression of how Moses commanded them to be able to point their children to love the Lord their God and to point them back to God's word. He says any time of day, whether you're rising, whether you're walking, whether you're climbing up on a road trip and you're headed to Jerusalem, no matter what the context, you can point your child to God and his word, no matter what is going on in your life. And, and then, you know what? When you're even around home, you know what? Put it up everywhere. It says bind it on your wrist. Put it on your hand, all right? It's kind of like a thing, oh, when I see that, all right? It's like when I, if I had a bracelet on, oh, yeah, you know who gave me that bracelet? My mom gave me that bracelet. That's really special to me. That's that idea when we look around our home they're like little stones of memorial to the Lord when we see a scripture verse or when we see this thing it's a captive audience we have the opportunity to point to the Lord in everything you know and and I'm certain anything can be taken to an extreme of like oh man you can't talk to our dad about Anything at all because he's always just like throwing Bible verses at you. You can't even talk about the paint color without him making it sound like God something. You can take anything to an extreme. But what we do walk away from a passage like this is just the heart that God says, you know, God is in everything. God is to pervade every area of our life because he is our life as we were talking. And so there is nothing off bounds for us to be able to point and speak his life into this thing, use it as a teaching tool, use it as something to help narrow and, uh, uh, and train our children with. One way that this looks like in our home, do you know what we do have sprinkled all over the house? We actually have Bible verses written all over. Sometimes, what do we do in the bathroom, girls? We take a dry erase marker and we write messages or we write Bible verses on the mirror so that when we're looking at ourselves in the mirror, we can see God's word or we can see all the, any of these things, captive audience, we can always point ourselves to the word of God. Spirit fueled discernment helps us as parents to address balanced answers to the deepest themes of every heart. Every child in this world has questions. The children in this church right now, every child out on the street has questions like Who is God? Who am I? Why am I here? What is my purpose? Where am I going someday? These are the deepest themes of the human heart because God created us to have this deep, vacuumous uh, area of our heart that would resonate, th- that to point us to, I'm missing something, that we need to search after, what am I missing? And it turns out that it is him that we're missing, and it is all to point us to him And we as parents have the opportunity to skillfully recognize that God-shaped hole in our child and point that hole, point that child to the Lord. And we can do that through the things that we have hanging on the walls, through the conversations that we have, and through the energy and how we invest our time and and all of these these, uh, things like that. The word of God answers these these questions for us and all of these things. So we point our our children to the word of God. Along with this, I also like to point out that we we point them, as we're pointing them to the word of God and what the Bible says and training them and all of these things, part of the the word of God is also the ways of God, that there's just a, a way that things work. All right, There is a way that things work, and in the society that we live in, we're moving more and more to a culture that has zero biblical literacy to it. You know, I was talking to a pastor friend, and that he dressed up like Moses for their VBS. And he comes walking in, and there's all of these community kids. And before, you know, he's like, I parted a sea, and it, all the water moved, and, and they walked through on dry land. And these kids are looking at him like, What? Come again? They had no frame of reference, no clue. Biblically illiterate, they don't even know the simple stories of, of that, that many of our children or all of our children here are growing up, hearing all of these stories. And so this is part of it. How, how does God's word fit together? Does God's word contradict itself? Can I trust this thing? These are all deep questions that we investigate and we have to answer time and time again in our home. But we also have to go more than just the black and the white. Because these ideas, these truths, take us to a living God. And they take us to a living relationship with him. So it has to go beyond that. Not only can you trust this, but you know what? God's word is sufficient for everything you need in life. Jesus Christ is sufficient for every heart need you will ever have. We have to point our children and be intentional in this because the reality is even as we are pointing, there are many voices pointing in the exact opposite direction of the reality of who God is and what, uh, how God has revealed himself to us in his word. And so that's even with our time and attention prioritizing it. There are so many voices trying and seeking To lure our children away. And I will say this if and when we aren't speaking at all to these things, most assuredly, our children will be able to follow after. So we must be mindful. We must counteract those voices and point them to the reality of God in their life. So we point them to the Word of God and we also point them to His working. All right, not just the, the 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 things on the page, but the reality of the things off the page, and what that looks like. You know, we could look at a, at a number of different passages. I have written here for you, Philippians chapter four, <clears throat> in verse nine. Uh, Paul says, "The things that you heard and you saw in me, these things do them, and the God of peace will be with you." Later on to Timothy, he talked about how God had taken him from being a blasphemer, an insolent man, and and, uh, leading rebellion against God. And how God even somehow saw him and had mercy upon him. And he said, no, that man will be faithful to me. And he saved him as an example, as a pattern And Paul constantly referred back to that time of, you know what, I once did this, but God... God changed me. Look at what God did in my life. And so as he's sharing and he's talking to other young men at the end of his life, as he's sharing to Timothy, uh, who was also a minister of God, he is pouring into him. He's saying, look at what God did in my life because this will help you in your life. If you can see what it looks like to radically trust Jesus Christ with your life and have your life transformed by his grace alone, It will do something in your life. And mom and dad, we have how many days, how many moments, how many hours in a day to be living examples of God's work in our lives and pointing them to Jesus Christ. Now, they get to see this all the time and they just see it happening. They see it working in all of those. But I also want to encourage this and really I'm encouraging myself with this. We need to talk about it as well. We're talking about pointing them to the Word of God, pointing them to God's working. Sometimes I do need a Captain Obvious to point it out to me. We need to talk about it. Because there's this very real thing. I've heard lots of people talk about it uh, before. Some some people have called it the Phantom Christian. Alright, you know what the Phantom Christian is? It's that imaginary Christian. That lives in all of our minds. And everyone's phantom Christian looks a little bit different. But we get this mind's eye view of what the Christian ought to look like, all right? Or what the ideal son or daughter ought to look like. They ought to never struggle. They ought to never have anxiety or fear. And you know, they ought to lose five or 10 more pounds, or they ought to have a little bit more muscle on their arms. They ought to. You see, those messages we were talking about that come in from the world, there are a lot of ought to messages that are 100% away from the things that God has for us. And we need to point them to the truth of God specifically and point them to this happened in my own life. I struggled with X, but God provided. God worked in my life. He transformed my life in this area. And look at what God did for me. God can, will, and does work in your life as well. And when you give voice to the working of God in your own life, do you know what it does? Number one, it can set aside, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had where I've shared a struggle that I had, maybe at a similar age to where my child is at that moment. And I share a struggle or something uh, challenging that happened in my own life and how God met me in that. And do you know the response I get? Wow, you struggled like that? You mean you made that kind of mistake as well? Huh, I thought I was the only one. Very, very true. And that I thought I was the only one, you know what that is? That's isolating and that's gonna keep others away from you. By us as parents taking the opportunity to direct our children to what God, how God delivered us in various areas of our lives and being diligent to share that, man, it can have a huge impact. Uh, We need to be shown what it looks like. I'll always take a video tutorial over an audio tutorial. And so, you know, we, we, or over just a written tutorial. And so we live it out, but we narrate it as well. We talk it out with our children. A lot of encouragement for us. So grace-filled parents point their children to the Word of God and the working of God. Lastly, grace-filled parents pour into each child. Grace-filled parents pour into, number one, the heart of each child. You could look at this here and and. And this is a challenge for us. The bigger our family is, the harder this is because you have that many more arrows that you need to give time, energy, and attention to. But if we look to the testimony of the book of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs is basically a walking uh, example of a father speaking life and a father pointing and directing and pouring into his son. You could look at, I, I've written out a couple of examples for you in chapter 1, 2 and 3 and there's a refrain that you'll see and you'll read often and it goes like this, my son my son my son do you see the individuality in all of that? It's not just all y'all it's my son listen son daughter honey come talk to me and we pour into the individual heart of our of our child <clears throat> we not only pour into the individual heart of each child there's so much more we could say about that but we pour into our collective family identity our collective family identity all right. I grew up in a home that at various points, there were up to three, sometimes if we had anyone else living with us, we had up to four last names living in our home. I never lived in a home where I shared a last name with anyone else. It was the biggest, longest, weirdest transition for me when I came into adulthood and I got married and it really wasn't until we had children that I could embrace and learn what it meant to be the lens. It means oh so much. I had no frame of reference but there is joy there. that is part of as a family you are God's stamp in this world of himself uniquely. You as a father and a mother have unique qualities that you bring together and now you've you're pointing that out you're, you're pouring that into each of the children create family identity social research alone is going to tell you and tells us the best leaders come from homes that had strong family identity scripture tells us the same as well but How can we do this? A couple things for you. Uh, Shared themes as a family. How do we we grow a family identity? Well, we have shared themes. That's shared values, shared theology, shared things from the word of God that are important to you. All of scripture is important to us, but yet to some families, service is more important. To other families, creativity. Who knows what it is? But you must discern and you share them. You live around these things in your home. We have shared themes. Next, we have shared time. To grow a family and be a strong family, you have to spend time together. Again, this goes back to our prioritization. We can't have a strong family if we're all spread to the wind, all doing our own thing. We must come together and share time. Number three, shared tasks. Do things together, live life together, clean. Work, cook, do projects, research, do whatever, but shared tasks and finally shared traditions. There are very special things, something that the Lynns do every year. We do something crazy called Christmas camping where we camp out in the living room every Christmas Eve because we just can't wait to actually have to move 20 feet to be able to open gifts in the morning. That's not where it came from. But we do Christmas camping. That's something that's unique to us. I don't know anybody that's ever even referred to Christmas camping before. It doesn't have to be unique, though. It just has to be. You just got to do it. You and your family, God works through all of those things. So, grace filled parents, number one, prioritize the call of godly parenting. Grace filled parents point their children to the word of God and his working in their life and grace-filled parents pour into the heart of each child and the family itself. There's so much more to say but let us take heart in all of these things that we're doing. May it be that each of these things that we do when we share time, when we share a, a, a task, whatever, these are all things, everything you do in your life is like putting a, a coat on a hanger. All right? And then you have that hanger and you set it in your closet. All right? And so that by the time our children leave the house, that closet is full of hangers. And in the end, it may not have been much. It may have just been a walk around the block. But that walk around the block is a hanger. And it's one of those things that God's going to use in the future. Even when they were old, they will not depart. God will use every hanger you ever placed in the closet of your child's heart. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for giving us the vehicle of the family. Lord, most of all, right now, I want to pray for every parent who is actively in the midst of of training their children. Father, that they have yet to launch their children. Father, I pray for those that are tired. I pray for those that feel as if they're stuck in the weeds and perhaps will never get past this this moment of time, Father, would you give us hope? Would you give us encouragement? Father, I also want to take a moment for our arrows that have perhaps strayed from the target at the moment. Lord, would you give comfort? to the hurting hearts of moms and dads as we pray uh, that you would work in the heart and the life and that when they're old, they won't depart, Father. For the child who perhaps has gone prodigal, Lord, would you continue to work in their hearts? Would you bring restoration, reconciliation? Father, would there be rejoicing in heaven as they come back to trust you and walk in fellowship with you? Lord, we put our lives in your hands, looking for your leading, your guiding in all things. Thank you for the privilege of having godly families. Would you enable these things in our lives? It's in Christ's name we pray, amen.